1: Body. start of the weekend—it's exciting. What are you doing this weekend? Uh, I am uh, looking forward to going to Atlantic City. If you're in Atlantic City, look out for me—I'll be uh, be around. And uh, I'm hoping to finish my New Year's Eve, Eve email. You know, I thought this was going to be a good deal shorter than last year's email. Last year's email was um, 5,700 words. So far, I'm about – I would say I've been about three-quarters of the way through this email. It's at about 4,200 words. So it is shorter, but it's not substantially shorter. So I'm working on that. So stay tuned for that. All right. Um, I got some good news, though, a minute ago. we We had this sales meeting with the network today, and it was supposed to take place four hours after our show ends. And, you know, it's no big deal. I, I like to be seen by the salespeople because I kind of feel like if I'm not a, not seen, they forget about me, right? They don't sell the show. They don't, you know, keep me in mind. You know, out of sight, out of mind, as the old saying goes. I just heard, though, and, and believe me, there's no shortage of work that, that I can do between, between now and the four hours after this show. I think I'm going to get a, a, you know, a nice nap in, maybe finish this New Year's Eve email and get some work done for next week. I just heard from our news director, Noam Layden, that this sales meeting is is canceled. It's not happening today, which means that I can go home and get some sleep, which I'm pretty excited about, I must say. But I, as excited as I am about that, I'm also even more excited to denounce... People that need a denunciation, and that's right. It is time for the other side of midnight presents denunciations. Let me begin by denouncing the mayor of Boston, Michelle Wu. This is ridiculous. I mean, a lot of you have probably, are probably already heard about the story, but in essence. The mayor of Boston, who ran, by the way, as the centrist, more moderate person in that race, she was uh, sending out invitations for a holiday party. Great. Intended only for minority members of the city council. Let me tell you something. That's outrageous. Absolutely outrageous. This is total segregation. You c- you cannot and you should not invite people of just one race. I mean, if a white mayor was the mayor of Boston or some other city, would you be saying, oh, yeah, well, we're, gonna ha- we're having a whites-only party? It's ridiculous. But what bothers me even more, even if you can somehow make the case that minorities are historically underrepresented in city government— And this is the opportunity for minorities to flex their political muscle, even if you can make that case. This woman is so incompetent, apparently, that she sent this invitation out to white people. She sent it to all the members of the city council, seven of whom are white. And then right after, 15 minutes after they sent the email to all the white council members... They apologized and clarified that the invitation was meant only for minority members of the city council. You know who gets invited to my New Year's Eve party? Everybody. Everybody. There's no invitation that says, oh, no, an invitation that comes out and then a, a subsequent email that says, oh, actually, no. Um, actually, we're not really inviting you. So... Um, Mayor Michelle Wu... I do denounce you. I must also denounce NBC Sports. Uh, they have made the decision to not include Al Michaels in their playoff coverage. Now, we've talked about on this program before how Al Michaels may have lost a step or two, or, you know, he lost a little bit of mustard off his fastball. Fine. But the way that this has been handled is absurd. Al Michaels and the NFL playoffs have been synonymous for the better part of five decades. Some people say he's the greatest to ever call football. He had a long run both at ABC and NBC. Then he joined Amazon Prime last season, but was given emeritus status at NBC, which called for him to announce the playoffs for them. Well, that ride is coming to an end this year. NBC announced its playoff assignments for the upcoming postseason, postseason, and Al Michaels is not on the roster. So Michaels is technically under contract to do the postseason, but now he's going to sit it out. And the news of this change was reported by the New York Post earlier this week. Al Michaels was interviewed by the paper last month saying He believed that the deal was still in place for him to be in the booth, and he sounded completely unaware when he was told that it was in limbo. Now, this is what he said. This is what he told the New York Post. It's in my deal. Where are you hearing that from? That's part of my deal. Are you hearing something that I'm not hearing? Well, apparently, yes, they were. Can you imagine, even if they wanted to make a change, you know what you do? For anybody, but especially a legendary broadcaster of Al Michaels status. You know what you do if you want to make a change? You call him up and you say, Look, Al, we want to try something different. I, you know, look, I've been in this position. We've all been in this position. We want to try something different. Appreciate all your work. We're going to try this, this playoff season. We still want you on board. We're glad you're part of the network. We're going to come up with some interesting things for you to do next year. This way he's not blindsided. Can you imagine the indignity of a broadcasting legend, which is what Al Michaels is, let's face it. Can you imagine the indignity of Al Michaels learning about this from a reporter? I mean, this is shameful on the part of NBC News. NBC, I do denounce you. I must also denounce TikTok. TikTok has banned any videos from Glenn Greenwald uh, and System Update. Now, Glenn Greenwald, now that um, now that Tucker Carlson is, is off air, this has really become the only show that I try and watch a little bit of every day. He does a show called System Update, and I love that he's a, a contrarian, and I love that he calls the calls out the foreign policy establishment, and TikTok banned Glenn Greenwald. And they did so without any uh, explanation. So they are apparently so into TikTok sucking up to the U.S. government because they don't want the U.S. government to ban them because they're owned by the Chinese, and they're willing to exercise whatever censorship That the U.S. government wants. So here's a show, System Update with Glenn Greenwald, that basically calls out the Biden administration every single day. Sometimes it's for what they're doing in Ukraine. Sometimes it's for what they're doing in Israel. Sometimes it's for what they're doing in warrantless wireless tapping. And they call out the foreign policy establishment, whether it's the You know, the Democrats that want to permanently ally themselves with the Ukrainian war effort or the Republicans that want to ally themselves with the Israeli war effort. And TikTok has simply banned them, banned this show, without any explanation whatsoever. All to, in my belief, we don't know because they won't say, I believe this is all to suck up to the U.S. government because they don't want to get censored or banned or prohibited. Shameful. TikTok, I do denounce you. I must also denounce this uh, gentleman in New Hampshire, Tyler Anderson, who threatened to kill Vivek Ramaswamy, a businessman and Republican presidential candidate and attendees of a campaign event. Uh, Nobody should ever threaten to kill anybody but especially not a presidential candidate. Um, I want to denounce him. I want to denounce as well Vitali Van Shelboim. This is something. This gentleman was a former UN official. He was an official with the UN. And the UN has now ordered him to repay $63.6 million personally, personally, after he lost a vast amount of UN funds by entrusting them to a man he met at a party. This is a guy that was the once, at one time, the second in command at the UN's logistics agency. And Mr. Van Shelboim and his boss were seeking to raise their profile within the UN w- within the UN and they amassed millions for the organization by charging governments and other UN agencies extra for construction jobs then they invested about 60 million dollars with companies all linked to a British businessman named David Kendrick defying internal warnings and dangerously concentrating their risk the investments were meant to finance renewable energy and housing projects, but they went poorly. According to the U.N. audit reports, an inquiry last year found that the U.N. had recouped only about 10 percent of its investment. Hours after The New York Times reported on these disastrous investments, Mr. Van Shelboyne's boss, Gretty Faramo, resigned. Mr. Van Shelboim, who is Ukrainian, was fired by the U.N in January, and uh, now they're asking him to repay the 63 million dollars personally. If he doesn't repay the money, he will not be eligible for a U.N pension. Oh sure, he's devastated. I want to so uh, Mr. Van Shelboim, I do denounce you. I must also denounce Jonathan Santana. The annual list of the worst landlords in New York City is out. And Johan Santana, for the second year in a row, is the worst landlord in New York City. He has racked up the most violations in New York City history. My goodness. My goodness. Um, So... Mr. Santana. Fifteen buildings this man owns. I do denounce you. I must also denounce Karen J. Phillip. Uh, he's a writer for Deadspin. And they basically, there was a, a picture of a, of a nine-year-old boy as a Kansas City Chiefs fan wearing makeup, face paint. And They accused him, they put out this viral story that accused this nine-year-old boy of wearing blackface. So this media outlet, Deadspin, caused this horrible backlash against a nine-year-old boy. And uh, they removed the photo of this boy, Holden Armenta, from their story, and they added a note stating that uh, it regrets any suggestion we were attacking him. This reporter, Karen J. Phillips, accused Armenta—I want you to keep in mind, Armenta is a nine-year-old boy—of racism for sporting black and red face paint and a, and a Native American headdress at the Chiefs game, despite that the fact that the youngster is of Chumash descent. He's American Indian. And this reporter— puts his photo out there in a the story that goes viral, saying because he's wearing an Indian headdress and face paint that he's racist. Karen J. Phillips said that uh, this boy had found a way to hate black people and Native Americans at the same time. Now, he wasn't wearing black face. The child's face paint was in the chief's colors. I mean, the guy is, the kid is just a Chiefs fan. And this is absurd. So, um, I, I find this just the worst kind of journalism there is. The fact that you're accusing a nine-year-old boy of being racist when and accusing him of insulting American Indians. The team is called the Chiefs. His face paint is the Chiefs' colors. I mean, just shame on this guy. Shame on this guy. Karen J. Phillips. I do denounce you. Philip, not Phillips. I do denounce you. All right. I also want to denounce the teens, the six French teens who beheaded a teacher. Yes, they have been convicted. On Friday, a uh, French juvenile court convicted six teenagers for their roles in the beheading of a teacher by an Islamic extremist that shocked the country. The teacher, we talked about this at the time, Samuel Patty was killed outside his school in 2020 after showing his class cartoons of the Prophet of Islam, the Prophet Muhammad, during a debate on free expression. The attacker, a young Chechen who had been radicalized, was killed by police. The court found that five of the defendants who were 14 and 15 at the time of the attack, were guilty of staking out the teacher and identifying him for the attacker. Another defendant, who was 13 at the time, was found guilty of lying about the classroom debate in a comment that aggravated online anger against the teacher. No one should ever behead a teacher, but especially not for demonstrating free expression and shame on these teenagers for... Participating in this. And finally, I want to denounce this weird Roosevelt Island couple that has proudly checked out five children's books from the library. These are books that are public property that you own and that I own that are not their property. But they're five children's books about the Palestinian experience, vowing not to return them. As to protect the good people of New York from blatant indoctrination. Now these books, for children as young as three, were prominently on display at the New York Public Library branch during Read Palestine Week with several titles about Palestinians arranged in an indigenous people's display with books about American Indians. And as Assef Ayal, whose wife bravely checked out these books in defense of uh, Israel, told the Post pretty easy to understand what they're doing. They're trying to connect between these two identities and make Israel and Jews look as if we are colonizers and not indigenous to our land. Well, I would suggest that Mr. Ayal uh, learn about public property. Libraries are about people, including children, being able to go there and take out whatever books they want. It's not about you essentially stealing books to keep them from being read. Um, I I find this really ridiculous. I'm so against book bans. I'm so against taking books that you don't want other people to read. I think if you don't like the message in these books, and and I don't like the message that's in these books. I wouldn't give them to my child. But if you don't like the message that's in these books, you should encourage people to check out books that you do like. the The solution to speech or to books that you find offensive is not to hide them. So, in case anyone wants to read them, the solution is to get the kind of books that you want read. I, I, I think this is just absurd. I can't believe any couple would do this, and I can't believe they would brag about this. So, Asaf, you I do denounce you. All right. Uh, we're going to talk cigars with Gary Korb in uh, just a few minutes, but uh, let me squeeze in a few of your calls here at 800-848-9222. That's 800-848-9222. Uh, we have uh, four open lines if you care to comment. Let me begin with Lisa in Connecticut. Hi, Lisa.
2: Hey, 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 hey. So, uh, great show again. Thank you. And I wanted to just comment about that Al Michaels thing that you said. Did you know that it's been all over Twitter that um, basically, I guess they're saying that he criticized Taylor Swift about having her and, the you know, promised to stop covering her and that that might have something to do with it? I don't know.
1: No, I, I didn't know that. What Because she... Was it because she attended uh, an event supporting the Palestinians?
2: No, no, it actually said that, you know, she's been so present with her relationship, obviously, right? And she's been at at so many events that it was kind of, he made a comment that it was distracting from the NFL. Oh, I'm seeing this now. Cover her and stuff, you know what I mean? So, I don't know. There's a lot of. Uh, if you look at Twitter and you yeah. research this, you see a lot of people commenting about maybe that the Swifties and everything put pressure on it and then this and that. You know, Taylor's really, really big this year and she's been all over the place with the NFL with him. And, you know, he was just like, you know, that's great that they have a relationship, but I don't really want to cover her. Yeah, I'm seeing so this I now. Know. Yeah, this she is out saying. there.
1: I, again, I don't know if it's true, but they're saying because he didn't want to. You know, essentially bend the knee to Taylor Swift, yeah. and because he called her a distraction from the actual football game, they're saying that maybe this is the reason he's out at the playoffs. Lisa, I want to thank you. What I, I what hadn't seen this, and um,
2: yeah, I think this is really interesting. Is, the Swifties are calling him a dinosaur, and all of this other stuff. Like it's really, um, I I really feel bad for Al Michaels.
1: Well, so well. First, I mean, Al Michaels is going to be just fine. But I feel, yeah. I mean, it's it's just not right that NBC would do this. But I, I was wondering the whole day when I saw this story, why would NBC yeah. do this? And the fact that look, uh, the Chiefs are going to be in the playoffs. Uh, Taylor Swift will presumably be at some, all the at least some of the Chiefs playoffs games, and we've Ooh. seen the ratings that Taylor Swift delivers when she's at these football yeah. games. I think there's actually something to this. If if Al right. Michaels is that's not going along with your Swift Mania, maybe that's why NBC doesn't want him there. This is really interesting.
2: Yeah, that's why I wanted to bring it to your attention. And um, this weekend, have a great time at AC. I'm actually going to go to Bohegan well, Sun for the Brett Michaels concert. Wonderful. Well, um, maybe he can
1: have a um, you know have a role in the NFL playoffs if uh, Al Michaels can't. Right?
2: Oh my God, that's so funny. All right.
1: Have fun, Lisa. Enjoy. All
2: right. Thank you. Eight
1: hundred eight four eight ninety two twenty two. We're going to talk with Gary Corb in uh, in just a minute. What well, hey, What do you make of what she just said there, Matt? I don't think that's the craziest thing that I've heard about Taylor Swift. Yeah. No, especially all the attention that Taylor Swift has gotten for the NFL. You, right. The ratings go up for every game she's asked. And then he criticizes that. They might not like it. I, I buy that. I buy that. I, well, that's wild. See, that's why she was the caller of the week. That is why. Listener of the week. Uh, Listener of the week. Right. That's right. Excuse me. alright four eight ninety two twenty two. right. Uh, I just want to state... That uh, I have nothing but respect for Taylor Swift. I like Taylor Swift. Taylor Swift, welcome on this show anytime. I would not, I don't want to criticize Taylor Swift. I have nothing against Taylor Swift or any of her fans. I'd be flattered if Taylor Swift wanted to attend this program or listen to this program. I appreciate her music. We listen to it in our house all the time. I was just listening to it during the commercial break and I'm not going to say anything about uh, negative about Taylor Swift. Now I kind of want to see a rumble between the Taylor Swift fans and the Beyonce fans because you know how Beyonce fans are crazy and now Taylor Swift fans are going crazy. Yeah, what is the feud between the two of them now? I read um, uh, – what was I reading that uh, uh, somebody – maybe it was Dave Portnoy that wrote something about them recently, but there was something – that uh, there was a, a belief that um, Taylor Swift hadn't done right by Beyonce Knowles or something along those lines. There was something, right? Do you know the, the the deal with this? I'm trying to see, you if, know, if there is any feud all right, so going on. W- there is a, there is some feud, right? We, we'll do a, we'll do a segment on this on Tuesday, maybe, unless Ron Albanese knows something about this. Maybe we'll do an entertainment update on this on uh, on Tuesday. Eight hundred eight four eight ninety two twenty two. The original Rick is in original jersey. Hi, Rick.
0: Good morning, Frank. Good morning. Just a quick question. When you were talking about doing uh, going to the Super Bowl, how would the logistics work out? Cuz that's a Sunday, Sunday night, and you're on Monday morning, right after midnight. How would that work? Would you well, do remote?
1: Yeah, I would do it probably from a radio station in Las Vegas.
0: Oh, okay. I didn't know you could do that. I thought you could do it from I knew you could do it from your room. I know you did it from a hotel lobby once. But oh, okay. So yeah, that that, that works out. Well, we'll see. Uh, I, was just, I was just wondering if you're going to take another day off or, you know, what was going on?
1: No, I mean, no. I i mean, the whole half the point of going to the Super Bowl would be that you have an interesting story to tell on the radio. So, no, I would absolutely not uh, take the day off. But uh, but we'll see what happens. I'm, I'm going to look into it logistically tomorrow, I think.
0: Okay. Also about the uh, Taylor Swift and uh, Beyonce thing, this might be a little contrived because it gets both of them uh, a lot of... <clears throat> you know, advertisement, whatever you want to call it, publicity. But remember, uh, Beyonce actually did uh, swift a, service swift, a, a solid, as uh, Kramer says, when she brought her up. Remember when the Kanye West interrupted her, getting her award, and right. Beyonce said, come on up, and, 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 and gave her the, you know, let her get up and speak on her time. So I don't think they have a lot of animosity toward each other. That, it doesn't seem like it was, you
1: know? Well, we're going to look into it. We're going to do a whole expose on this on, on Tuesday, you know, and, and if this is uh, really what's causing us to be deprived of Al Michaels, then, you know, we've got to get to the bottom of this one way or another. All right, 800-848-9222. We're going to talk with Gary Korb from CigarAdvisor.com. Straight ahead.
0: The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Marano. it's the other side of midnight with frank morano
3: when mr Balloon
1: It's another cowboy song, an instant classic, as interpreted by our next guest. Uh, He is not only a musical expert, but someone who is a genuine authority when it comes to cigars and a uh, great guy besides. Very pleased to welcome back to the program Gary Korb, the executive editor for CigarAdvisor.com. Hello, Gary. Hello, it's good to be back with you, Frank, especially at
3: this time of year.
1: Gary, it's great to have you back. Now, uh, Gary, you were, you were were. it was great having you last year at uh, New Year's Eve Eve in Atlantic City. You were one of the yeah. eight or nine people, though, that got COVID from attending. <laughs> this year, you indicated you will not be attending. Is that uh, for fear of COVID?
3: No, that is not for fear of COVID. As I said in my reply to you, my two sons are going to be with me over that weekend and one of them lives in LA he's coming out and I just need you know I just want that extra time to spend with them because I don't see them that often anymore
1: Well, Gary I think you better reevaluate your priorities what's more important
3: your two (laughs) sons or 40 strangers (laughs) no I really I've been to the last two and they were great I mean even though I got sick I don't care they were really fun at the time (laughs) so um you know, I'm know. just sorry I'm going to miss it. That's All right. Well, tell. we'll have
1: to plan something special in the uh, mm-hmm. interim. Hey, Gary, let me let me let me read you this email that I got from uh, a nice listener by the name of Rita. She wrote to me uh, a week or so ago, and mm-hmm. I, I think th- she probably speaks for a lot of people who are searching for holiday gifts this time of year. And maybe the question mm-hmm. is too broad, but I, I still think it's a question that is worth answering um and i can't think of someone more qualified to answer it than you uh, she she writes as a connoisseur of cigars would you kindly recommend one or two types and brands of cigars that most smokers would enjoy Uh, What do you tell Rita? Clearly she wants to buy this as a gift for a cigar smoker in her life, but she doesn't necessarily know what that person smokes. And that's not unusual. Maybe you work with a boss or a friend or or maybe you have a neighbor. You see them smoking cigars, but you don't know what they smoke. What do you get them? What's a a safe
3: choice for a cigar smoker? Yeah, that's a tough one. And we've talked about this before. Um, You know, I say you go with a Go with a brand that is very popular. One of the most popular—we talked about just before too—is Arturo Fuente. Um, if she wants to pick a cigar that I'm pretty sure is universally liked in the Arturo Fuente uh, you know, stable, uh, and it's not even expensive, it's, you go with the 858 uh, Florcina, in, in, uh, and natural Maduro. But she can, her friend will probably like if he likes uh, Cameroon. Um, that would be the that would be the natural, and if he likes Maduro, that would be the Uh, maduro broadleaf connecticut so that's a good one okay
1: yeah i mean that's always a safe choice i can't imagine anybody that smokes cigars not liking uh, an arturo
3: fuente yeah that's one of the best and it's not even expensive and also the the henry hemingway signature is also a very nice cigar from their hemingway line it's a little more gifty it's a little more expensive but it's Phenomenal cigar, also. Great G-
1: line, Gary, for people that have not heard our previous conversations, what is CigarAdvisor.com? Is it sort of like the Consumer Reports of cigars?
3: Well, in, in a way, uh, it's one of those, you know, it's a website that's dedicated to providing, like, news and information on just anything and everything cigars. Uh, I've been putting up the press releases I've been getting a couple times a week from other, from some of the brands and stuff, but, you know, anything from how to cut light cigars to cigar reviews. I do a lot of the reviews, probably most of the reviews. Uh, we have buying guides and all the major cigar brands and, you know, new releases, interviews with people. I just interviewed a gentleman, Nick Malelo, who's with Foundation Cigars, and Tim Osgener, whose family um, started CAO Cigars, and now he's. They were sold uh, to General Cigar, and now he is uh, starting his own brand again, uh, Ozger Brand. So it's, it's a fascinating business. It's really interesting. People go round and round. <laughs> All
1: right, so Cigar Advisor has come out with their list of the mm-hmm. top 10 cigars of the year. Can we run through these quickly? What made
3: the list? Well, yeah. Well, these these are the these are the top ten best new cigars of the year, and we don't rate the cigars like another magazine. We just put it out here. This is what the cigar is. Uh, We describe it quickly. If you like it, great. Uh, I pick. I'm just going to pick a couple here. Um, One of them is the. um, uh, Let me see the um, Arturo uh, the A.J. Fernandez New World Dorado. Uh, This came out last year. A.J. Fernandez is Phenomenal blender. He's worked with just about everybody in the business. And in this Dorado, uh, he just came out with uh, a cigar that uh, the tobacco was grown on his El Dorado farm. It's very sweet. It's earthy. It's very aromatic. It has a sun-grown Nicaraguan wrapper. It's just a really, really nice uh, medium to full-bodied smoke. Uh, another one is the blackened uh, Metallica. This is you, know, you played a Metallica song at the top of your show. This is uh, th- this blend blackened. The M81 was developed by um, um, uh, what's his name, uh, James Hatfield, and uh, Jonathan Drew Drew Estate. So what they did was they they kind of tied it into the blackened American whiskey. Uh, This cigar is really rich and full. It's got chocolate, coffee, spices. Um, It's just one of the most memorable cigars uh, of the year. Another one is the Monte Cristo 1935. Uh, This one really, uh, the Diamante, this really knocked me out. I loved it. Uh, Rafael Nodal and here again, AJ Fernandez collaborated um, on this 1935 anniversary Diamante. They also worked on the 1935, which came out first. This cigar, the Amante, was actually supposed to come out first, but they wanted to give the cigars more aging. So this cigar really has some nice, elegant smoothness to it. It's box-pressed Toro. It's got a Nicaraguan Jalapa Criollo wrapper. I mean, it just works on every, you know, just checks every box in terms of flavor. It's layered, it's complex. Hmm. All that great stuff, and then there's one. This one kind of impressed me too. And the great partigas brand, that's uh, you know also made here in, in, uh, in the, well, in the Dominican for most part. Uh, this this is the first partigas to have a Mexican San Andreas wrapper. On. I love San Andreas wrapper, and this wrap is grown in what they call the Green Valley uh, region of Mexico, where they have great climate, and um, the blend is smooth, It's full bodied. It has some nice baking spices, sweet tobacco, some peppery spice, and it's, it's just kind of nice. It's somewhere just between the understated and the more colorful in terms of uh, flavor, and I think they really did a great job on that. So those are four of the of the 10, but if you want to see all 10, you can just come on over to scaradvisor.com and It'll, it should be on the, on the front
1: page. All right. Page. All right.
0: Hey, yeah. while,
3: while, 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 we're, while we're
1: talking and we're talking with Gary Corb, mm-hmm. he's the uh, executive editor with CigarAdvisor.com, I got a message here from Joe and Ron Konkama, who asks another, mm-hmm. I think, very common question that I'll pose to you while we have you here. He, he okay. says, what's a good cigar to drink with a nice glass of bourbon? I've heard stuff like this a great deal, Gary, of people that are interested in pairing cigars with a certain type of drink, mm-hmm. whether it's bourbon, whether it's rum. Uh, you're the person that turned me on to coffee in a cigar. But since yeah. Joe's question has to do with bourbon, is there any cigar that you'd recommend that specifically complements a glass of bourbon?
3: Well, I can't say a specific brand because you know there's so many... Good cigars that do go with bourbon, but I can give you the type of cigar. It depends on the bourbon too. You know, if it's a, if a, let's say it's a mainstream bourbon or a rye, like I happen to like this uh, Basil Hayden mm. uh, dark rye. My brother turned me on to it. it's fantastic. It's kind of nice sweetness to it. A cigar that's kind of medium to full bodied um, has a similar flavor uh, flavors to it than the um, uh, as as the whiskey rather or. Even, even like almost opposite flavors, so there's like a counterpoint. But I was just talking to a gentleman in the lounge uh, the other day, and he says he doesn't even really like to have whiskey with his cigars because he says it ruins the flavor for him. But I, I, I told him, I said, I think there are certain whiskeys and certain cigars that just go real well uh together. So, uh, but yeah, something a medium body, maybe it may be a Maduro or, or a Habano, good Habano wrapper, or uh, or Corojo, something like that. But you just have to kind of find
1: that yourself it's just experimentation got it david in massachusetts Massachusetts has a question hi david
3: okay (laughs) hi how are you gary it's pleasure talking with you i like i always like when you're on listening to your uh to your uh commentary with frank question i have when i get a new box of cigars and Mm -hmm. uh they're in the wrapper do you take the? do you recommend taking the wrapper off before they go into humidor or leave the Mm -hmm. wrapper on while they're in the humidor question and uh, one other one other point I wanted to make, Frank. What's a nice gift for a smoker? Is a nice cutter and a nice torch, because I'm always losing my torch <laughs> and my cutter lasts like through two boxes of cigars, and I'm
1: looking for a new one. Yeah, uh, I, I agree with that. Hey, uh, Gary, uh, the we have qu- a gift
3: guide. I'm going to talk about that if we have time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah well, uh, to answer David's question first uh, yeah, on I the on it. the storage, and then David, yeah, I I do both. Uh, for some reason, sometimes I just get. I just look at the cigar and I say, oh, you know what? i'm going to take it out of the wrapper now it will um some people believe that ages uh, I, used to, I used to rather um that it ages the cigar will age better you know if it's in its what it's they call cabinet style or with without the, the cello but you know the cello is actually porous and the cigars will age uh just as well in the cello and i i like seeing that cello get more yellow and yellow, you know, over the years, you know, depending on how long you age it. But here's a compromise that I figured out, because you don't really want to run it rapidly when you're messing with your cigars in the humidor, you're, you're moving them around, uh, you don't want to rip it, that's the most expensive part of the cigar. So what I do is I, I take the bottom, you know, or the foot of the cigar, I open the cello, you know, I pull it back, and I cut it right at the base of the foot. So now the cello is open there. All right, so now there's some air getting into the cigar, but the cigar is still protected by the wrapper. So you may want to try that, but. You know, it's really it's really a matter of personal preference. I like that compromise, and a lot of my cigars like
1: that. On this subject, Gary, uh, mm-hmm. speaking about humidors, what is the proper humidity that a cigar should be stored at? If if we're you know looking at a humidor and we're you know putting you know solution in or distilled mm-hmm. water, what what is the target goal of humidity
3: in terms of a humidor? Okay, well. The ideal used to be, well, kind of still is, seventy percent. But uh, most of the guys that I've talked to, and you know, we smoke with and stuff, we seem to like it at around sixty-five because it's seventy. If the temperature goes up in the room, seventy can you know get the humidity can actually go higher too. So you want to keep it around sixty-five. This way, the cigar should be supple and a little firmer than it might be. But I know, I know. Cigar smokers. They love it at 70, 72. They just, they like it. I said, You like the cigar spongy? I said, yeah, I like it. So, you know, but 65, I think, is like the new ideal. Hmm. Between 65 and 70, there you go. All right. Uh,
1: if people have a question. All right. You mentioned gifts, and I think a lot of people are in the market for a gift. CigarAdvisor.com also has a holiday gift guide. What do we have for whether someone's a smoker themselves or whether there's a smoker on their list? What do you have? All
3: right. Well, here's another idea for that young lady who wrote in about her gifts. Uh, There's these... um Trilogy Cigar Sampler from E.P. Carrillo Cigars, Uh, E.P. Carrillo, uh, Resto Perez Carrillo. He is like an amazing master blender. He's respected by everyone in the business. He's worked with everybody. Um, And he came out with this uh, trio of Cigar of the Year cigars. It's the, every cigar in here, all three of them rather, have uh, been a number one cigar of the year. So he has a pledge prequel, which was number one in 2019. Yancor Majestic 2018 and the La Historia E3 2014, and they are fantastic cigars. They're full flavored. They're not overpowering. They're just chock full of flavor. The Pledge is, I mean, the Pledge prequel is just amazing cigar. Um, another gift I came up with. And then, what does here, that go uh, for?
1: A, n- a nice box, oh, you know, sample of three cigars like that. Ballpark, what what are, what are we paying for that?
3: Um, well, let's see. Uh, it goes for about thirty. It's, it's listed about $35. Oh, okay. So, All right. That's pretty good. There's a lot of sales good. going on this year. Um, then we have uh, – the other thing I like is the uh, uh, Zycar XI3 cutter. Um, this is um, a carbon fiber cutter. <laughs> so, um, you know, it might be, uh, it might be a good uh, gift for the gentleman that called before. Um, it's a carbon fiber cutter. It, it has that teardrop shape. It's super sharp. I mean, these blades are, uh, you know, phenomenally sharp. Premium carbon fiber surrounds the, um, you know, the, the cutter, and it's lightweight. It's good looking, and it's a really good gift for, you know, someone who has, uh, you know, just likes the finer things. It's got a, uh, it's got a nice elegant appeal to it too. It's all black, you know. It's really cool. You know, uh, as far as lighters go, I, I, I think this lighter is good. Could be the um, the future of lighters. It's called the Vector Icon for flat flame lighter. Now you know when you light your cigar, you use a torch, right? Usually, so you know it has like a it's like a beam, right? It's like a laser beam coming out there. So it's it's kind of pointed. You have you have lasers that are I mean um, torches that are two, three, four flames. This one is a flat flame. It features a wider and more powerful flat flame. So and, and it's good for bigger cigars. There's a lot of guys are smoking sixty rings. You know, a lot of Dexter have really become popular as 60-ring cigars. Uh, so it's a rechargeable Vector Icon for flat flame. But the flame comes out, it's flat, like like a little wall of flame. But what's cool about it is you can actually get some really accurate um, toasting and lighting with it. It's, it's, it's got a touch-sensitive screen, too. It's very cool. I, I really like that that lighter. And then, uh, finally, um, you know, there's a humidor. Um, we to talk about humidors, too. Um, this one I kind of like because it's, um, it kind of pays homage to, um, you know, people who are in, like, the firefighting field or in the Army. And this one is called the Fighter, Jet, and Soldier Strong Humidor. Holds about 100 cigars. It's uh, got an um, arm. It's, it's got, this one's the Air Force version. and It's got, a, you, know, the, you know, the decal that used to be on the side of the planes, you know, the star and it, it has um, Spanish cedar line walls. It comes from the top tray, complete humidification system, and it's just a really, really nice box. And they make one for firefighters. There's even one with a piano, <laughs> which I thought was interesting. But there is one for firefighters, policemen, um, you know, so if you have a veteran uh, who smokes cigars, a veteran friend or relative, and they need a humor, this is always a good choice for them, So. So those are my top four there. Uh, that's pretty good. And People could
1: check out the whole holiday gift guide at uh, CigarAdvisor.com. Real quick, Gary, because yeah. I'm just about out of time. But if you're sure. giving advice to someone and how they should condition their humidor, let's say they got a humidor mm-hmm. as a gift or uh, they uh, got it as a, a favor from serving in a, 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 a bridal party or something, how, where do mm-hmm. they begin in terms of making sure that humidor is going to do its job in keeping cigars moist?
3: Okay, well, what you want to do is the first thing you do when you get a new humidor, and I just, well, I'm not going to say, because I'll give away a gift to somebody. Um, I just bought one for somebody. What you do is you um, you take, uh, you take the humidor, and it has to be seasoned. Now, there's two ways you can do it. I have a video on, uh, it's like been watched by thousands and thousands of people on how to season your humidor the old-fashioned way, which is basically... Um, putting a wet sponge in there and letting the humidity just let the walls just soak up the humidity for, you know, until the humidity gets very, very high and then you allow it to get down. It's hard to describe it. It's the time we have, but if you want to do it more easily, but it will take more time, Boveda, who makes these packs that you put in your humidor, um, they have a a humidor seasoning kit and you just, Put the kit in there, but it's going to take. It may take about a couple of weeks for it to really, really get uh, get you know conditioned. But once it's conditioned, you just keep the humidity and the temperature nice, and the cigars will stay fresh almost indefinitely. Gary, I always appreciate the opportunity
1: to talk with you. I hope we can chat soon, and hopefully, hang out and share a cigar soon. Sorry, I won't see you on uh, New Year's Eve, Eve, but I hope yeah, you have a great I know. Christmas. I feel and bad. no, it's all good. It's all good. I I'll, hope I'll, 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 you have a great Christmas. We'll talk soon.
3: All right, Frank. So
1: was a pleasure. Thanks for giving me the airtime. Thank you, Gary Corb. Check him out, cigaradvisor.com. Questions, comments, thoughts, etc. 800 848 9222 Straight ahead. The
0: other side of midnight.
1: dancing queen this is a uh, birthday bumper music selection from my brother dr nicholas carmine Morano. uh hopefully he's in the florida keys hopefully he's having a uh, a good time hopefully he gets some nice weather i have no idea what the weather in the florida keys is like now it can't be as cold as it up here you know it's funny i um I woke up to an SMS, no, it was not, we use WhatsApp, but I woke up to a WhatsApp message from my wife yesterday, and uh, she, you know, she basically, almost all of our conversations are Carmine related, but she messages me, she said, um, I have to tell you this before I forget, Carmine and I are driving in the car right now, and he says, beautiful day, nice and sunny. I need glasses, meaning sunglasses. And then she says, "Of course, it's very gray out. It's gray as can be. It was not sunny. But hey, the kid has got a sunny disposition and a pleasant outlook on life. I love oh, yeah. it." We went to the uh, we went to the the uh, playground today. We did some. Um, We had a good time riding on the slide. It's good. You know, it's funny. um, My wife came across another cat because she feeds all these outdoor cats. She came across another cat that has tags. So she's now trying to trap this other cat to see if we could find where she belongs. Your influence counts. Use it.